1: What's up, everybody? Anthony Cazenza, John Sheeran here, the Orange and or Black Insider Bengals podcast coming at you. And unfortunately, there's not really kind of new big news with the Cincinnati Bengals since we last chatted with you on Monday, but we're going to break down the comings and goings, and we're going to do so with the guy behind this brand right here on my cap. Mr. Joe Goodberry set to join us in about 10 or 15 minutes, and we'll be getting his thoughts on a lot of different things. As we all know, Bengals Nation – loves his takes on the team free agency the draft all kinds of different things john uh, happy wednesday man this has been a little bit of a tumultuous time in free agency for the Bengals.
2: for the record i think joe is driving right now he just posted a video on twitter of him driving from like costco or something like that so he needs to hurry his butt home and get on the costco run look at that guy costco run he just he just told me the other day they don't have Costco where he lives in Buffalo. So I'll have to get on, on him on that as well. But I know we're going to get a lot of comments and the negative side of things. And I just want to just get ahead of this now. I know you guys will be back here in August, hyping out the Bengals as a Super Bowl contender. So miss me with all that.
1: August? They'll be back here in early May about the draft Wait. class, John. I mean, I'm, come I'm on. Just, we... <laughs> I'm giving them some leeway
2: there, but yeah, y- your negative comments mean nothing to me. You guys are Bengals fans. You guys will be back. Miss me.
1: Uh, well, all right. Let's, let's catch up. Let, let's catch up here. There are a lot of different things happening here. I guess we'll we'll start with this one. Some good news in a way, and one that's a little bit interesting because of a departure of someone else in this position group. The Bengals re-signed Travion Williams, a guy who was returning kicks at the end of the year, a guy who had a, a couple of plays from the running back position late in the year last year as well. So a guy they brought back after losing – one important guy so I mean this is you know I again this is a guy kind of to round out the group we don't really know exactly where Chris Evans stands in the whole scheme of things as well that same could be said about Joe Mixon in a lot of different ways too but this is a guy that they identified and wanted to bring back and did so
2: yeah I think Chris Evans is not in good graces with the team at this point I don't think he did enough this past season to assert himself or confirm a roster spot next year but Travion Williams in this case he did right it's probably just a one-year deal he surprisingly I think to a lot of people became the team's main kickoff returner and mm-hmm. when he had his chances over the past couple years he's looked pretty well running between the tackles I was surprised to learn he's actually averaging over five yards per carry now albeit the sample size is incredibly small but he's kept on the team for four now five years as a reserve running back so I feel like with turnover happening at the position, because you already have uh, Samadji Piran going out the door, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, and Joe Mixon probably following him, they're going to want to keep at least one or two guys from this past year's roster to fill out the room. And I feel like Travion makes a lot of sense with that. Yeah,
1: and Just to just to clarify here, we're getting a live comment from Wildstar888 there. re Pratt, to uh, Go, if you haven't yet, go check out our Monday show. We did recap some of the comings and goings from there. The very first day of, legal tampering or whatever you want to call it um so we've kind of already recapped that that we've we're talking more about what has happened on tuesday and or today uh as of this live recording wednesday to catch everybody up before we're joined by joe goodberry so travion williams a the guy they identified that they wanted on uh on the team and brought him back and that was in response to john another one I, you know we were kind of we were pretty surprised by bell leaving um this one was a little bit of a surprise, too, because it felt like this was a guy, Samaj P. Ryan, that the coaching staff loved. He did a lot of the dirty work. He stepped in and played really well. He would have been relatively cheap. Yeah, he would have been, I guess, on his third contract at this point, I believe. Um, so maybe that's not appealing to them. And obviously they probably want to get more, you know, younger and faster at the running back position, but still a guy that you felt like could have been a a good, you know, option in the backfield there samajah Pirine signs to the broncos i think that was a three-year deal two-year deal -deal. Um, yeah two-year deal and so he's he's gonna go there and you know you know the denver broncos system you know what they do with running backs they seem to always get the most out of running backs that dates back all the way to terrell davis and probably even before with their scheme so this is probably a good career move for Samaj Pirine. A little bit surprising that the Bengals didn't hang on to him though.
2: A good this is a phenomenal career move. Samaj Pirine <laughs> got three and a half million a year, man. And this is like this is the perfect example, I think, that we can just have a setting off point for this entire conversation about free agency. The Bengals re-signed Samaj Pirine to a two-year deal worth about one and a half million dollars per year. That's about how much they paid Samaj Pirine this past season. They got that level of production for him this year. Samaj Pirine is talented, fits well with what the Bengals did. At times looked even better than Joe Mixon. It was a good two, three, even four years almost for Samaj Pirine in Cincinnati. The Bengals got exactly what they paid for. And Denver is paying for the production that Pirine just produced for the Bengals for the past three to four years on a significantly smaller deal. Samaj Pirine cashed in. And great for him, right? At this point in his career, 27, 28 years old as a running back who's never really been a starter to cash in on that type of contract, it doesn't look that big on the surface, but it's significantly larger than what he got in Cincinnati. And that's the whole point with this. Like, P. Ryan is one of the handful of Bengals now who have signed on to other teams who have left the Bengals from this past year. And pretty much all of them have signed deals that are bigger, if not extremely larger than what they got with Bengals. And that's just the whole point of free agency sometimes. Sometimes you have guys who inflate their values on the teams that they're currently on, under on you know relatively affordable deals, and they cash in with teams who want that production, who want that past production, who want that name. And that's just the case in this case with Samaji Bearnes, the case with some other Bengals too, who have left them free agency thus far.
1: Well, we've got some breaking news, John, one of which at that position group and another at the safety position. As of 3.59 p.m. my time, or I guess 6.59 p.m., Your time, my friend. Adam Schefter tweets out, Saints and former Lions running back Jamal Williams have agreed on a three-year deal. So the Bengals were in the Jamal Williams sweepstakes, If I guess if there was such a thing um, for a veteran running back, sweepstakes. Uh, They were in the running, I guess they were in the final talks with him, but as of just before we hit live here, Adam Schefter of ESPN reports that the Saints... And Jamal Williams have agreed on a three-year deal now, so he is no longer in the works for the Cincinnati Bengals.
2: Good for him, man. Um, I think the Saints fit him more than the Bengals did in that. And I'm talking about Williams in this case, just because he doesn't have that much experience around the shotgun. So I, I know that there was interest there, and I feel like there was interest in him doing similar things that Smaji Pirine did. But apparently talk stalled with the Lions with Williams, and the Lions ended up signing David Montgomery to like $6 million per year. So if that was where the floor of what they wanted with Williams, I don't think it would have been wise for the Bengals to give him that contract. We don't know the exact uh, terms aside from the, the length for Williams, but I would imagine he got at least $6 million, So good for him. Again, 28 years old. I think this is his third contract as a running back, and I think it's a better fit for him than the Bengals. And Juan Thornhill, though, I feel like that was probably like... He was more realistic than Chauncey Gardner-Johnson for as a safety target for the Bengals uh, just because he was going to be a little bit uh, more affordable. He ends up being, I think, $21 million over three years and I think 14 guaranteed. So it's more or less the same deal that Von Bell got with the Carolina Panthers. That, that's a good deal. I feel like the Bengals could have competed with that by just front-loading cash instead of having uh, two years of guaranteed money. But the Browns are going to be better on defense. They have a new coordinator, Jim Schwartz, and I think Juan Thornhill is an upgrade over what they had. So this is really just the... The tipping point now. This is like the start of when I think the wheels start to get turning with that positional market. The, the market is essentially set at $7 million per year with that guaranteed figure. So now this is where the Bengals end up finding out that they can compete there or they're, or if they'll have to go to a cheaper option.
1: So Thornhill is off, off the market. And as we mentioned, uh, Jamal Williams, the running back off the market that the Bengals kind of expressed some interest in as well. And then of course, as we now know, um, and we'll get to the man of the hour in just one second here as we catch everybody up with things, uh, Hayden Hurst now going to the what, – what the hell is the deal with the Panthers, dude? They're, it's like <laughs> – They're, they're like the new they're Jets. New Bengals. It's, oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, there you go. I mean, it's Dalton, it's Bell, it's Hurst. I mean, everybody. But Hayden Hurst, a three-year deal. I, you know, I, I loved Hayden Hurst and what he brought and everything, but to me, I just – I felt like that was just not a deal that would have been too savvy on the Bengals side of things. The guy's going to be 30 this year, 13 million guaranteed in his contract. Good for him. Great locker room guy. I liked a lot of what he brought last year, but I feel that quite honestly, as much as I liked him in the signing and the value they got out of that one year deal with him, I kind of feel John that this is a guy that uh, the production that he gave last year can be replicated somewhat easily.
2: It's the same thing with P. Ryan. The Bengals signed him to three and a half million for a year, and they got production of a three and a half million dollar tight end. The Panthers see that, like, oh, we want some of that. We think that can continue. He's thirty years old, but that doesn't matter. Let's go ahead and sign him because we need pass catchers. We need good locker room guys because we're completely redoing this thing in Carolina. Like that, that's just paying for pass production. It's expecting it to continue. The Bengals were never, ever ever paying Hayden Hurst that much money but phenomenal for him right he's had a he's had a such an interesting career arc to get to this point this is his now fourth team back in the the NFC South he was with the Falcons originally and he's and he's and he got a bag and he got a bag playing with Joe Burrow i don't expect him to live up to that contract but that doesn't matter to him phenomenal decision for him
1: Phenomenal decision for him. So now if you're kind of keeping score, keeping the abacus, moving the, moving the things, moving the tiles here, Jalen Davis is back with the Bengals. Travion Williams is back with the Bengals. Um, Jermaine Pratt, of course, back with the Bengals. Uh, and then of course you look at the other side of things, Hearst gone, Von Bell gone, Jesse Bates gone. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, we, we just went through all these. Um, Samaj P. gone. So, Um, You know, those are some of the big in-house guys coming and going. And then, of course, other guys on the market that have um, yet to, or or I guess just recently, just before we took the air, that have gone off the market that the Bengals may have had their eyes on. So that's the latest and greatest.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: And we are bringing on the greatest in Bengals fandom, Mr. Joe Goodberry, the man, the myth, the legend. We had It's been a, a, a hot minute since we've had him on the show. Uh, we always appreciate the time, Joe. I, I don't know where to where the hell to even start, dude. Uh, I mean, I, I guess which one, which which thing? Either guy who stayed or guy who left. What what surprised you the most?
0: Oh, I guess the options aren't very uh, very many. Then the guy who stayed is Jermaine Pratt, <laughs> and I am surprised. But I, you know, the the part that's not surprising was the market because looking at it going into free agency. I just kept looking like, man, there's a lot of linebackers here. And I wonder what that's going to do to their values. And I think we see uh, 7 million is like the high end of what these guys are getting here. So other than Tremaine Edmonds, but getting him back makes a lot of sense for how the Bengals want to sign free agents. They want to sign them in that second contract. They want to sign them between 25 and 27 years old if they can, you know, if they're going to commit three plus years, three or or more years to them, they, they need to be on the younger side. Uh, It came at a value where the markets depreciated, which I think that also goes in favor of what they like to do. And then the surprise was the Von Bell leaving, uh, you know, obviously. But, you know, I heard some information today. I was able to verify it through another source. They just weren't close. I mean, he was willing to come back completely and they would not budge on what they were offering. And it's not so much the money. It was the longevity
2: Yeah, I think like what one one to two years was what it was like someone reported just because. Yeah, Paul
0: Danner talked about it a little bit in his piece and kind of went around it. So I asked the question and pretty much that's what happened.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, it just fits the theme of what's been going on for the past couple of years. But now we sit here Wednesday evening. We have Juan Thornhill going to the Browns on a deal very similar to what Von Bell signed for. Jamal Williams, I think, just got reported that he got three years, twelve million, with eight million guaranteed. Bengals were supposedly interested in him, mm-hmm. and then the Saints can't, kind of came out of nowhere. But this is the time now where it's like, okay, it's been three days. You know, you have some players who weren't really Bengals targets going off the board, but now this is when the wheels start to turn, Joe, and and like feel like that's making some people start to get nervous. But this is when. Like people think that the Bengals are asleep at the wheel, but this is kind of what they've been waiting for, more or less. Yeah, this is their time.
0: Like they wanted, they work better when you're desperate, right? So these some of these players now are starting to see the musical chairs, the the, the songs coming to a close, and there's only a couple of chairs left. It's like, man, maybe I take that two-year, five million dollar deal from the Bengals. Maybe I take that one-year, seven million dollar deal from the Bengals. Uh, and the safety market is starting to move. I think once Jordan Poyer f- came down and he didn't get a big deal and he, he went back to Buffalo, he must have saw the same thing, same writing on the wall that there was just uh, not the market out there. And then you see Juan Thornhill, who I think was is the next best guy, and he gets $7 million a year, first two years guaranteed, which Bengals may have done seven, but they're not going to guarantee the first two years on a three-year deal I, for a guy who's 27. I just, even if they were interested, they probably weren't even close to that or it probably was a one- or two-year deal right uh, and uh and now we see even low-end guys like the sean elliot take a one year 1.4 million dollar deal or whatever it was uh to the dolphins which i think is actually a great um pickup by the dolphins again they found a couple value si- signings this uh, free agency i think the Bengals are now saying okay there's only a couple spots left we have a starting strong safety spot how two year two years five million dollars a year tyler taylor rapp what do you think and i like, I, th- I think that's the way it's going to go. And they're going to see it like we didn't lose much and we gained money in, at our safety position based on what they were spending last year. And uh, they're going to use that money to funnel it towards extensions for Burrow and maybe spend a little bit more at tight end. And they're looking for values.
1: Looking for values. Speaking of values, we pinned the link to Joe Goodberry's exclusive content as a super fan. He gives out awesome, awesome stuff. Joe, I, I, I will subscribe. I have not yet admittedly. I know my partner has, I will subscribe my friend. I haven't gotten around to it, but I will. And it's pinned in our live chats for folks. Go subscribe. We, any bangles fan knows Joe knows the, the quality content he puts out. And also, just a notch above is as a quality human as well. You're you're a, a good friend to us, Joe. And I feel bad. We just dove right into talking. I don't even think I asked you how you were doing. But
0: um, I'm doing good. But I only will take questions about pizza pie graphs and <laughs> and this, the 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 fake score for the free agency season that I've made up uh, that you are free to argue with.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, okay. So. I mean, you talked about uh, Taylor, Rapp. You t- I mean, I, I, to me, I I thought this was going to be a very inward-focused type of type of year or for off-season for them, free agency-wise. And then I I, I really think that there's going to be a little bit of a restocking through the draft. They talked to a lot of tight ends, probably looking defensive backs, corners, and safeties potentially to, to early in that. And then here we are, still another rotational pass rusher, be it an edge guy, be it an interior guy, and they just haven't really. Uh, pull the trigger on on anybody in that regard so I, I don't know man I mean I, I guess kind of a broad question just you know w- what are the moves how y- are you disappointed with things so far or are you kind of optimistic at, at things I, personally I'm kind of like you know they've gone really really far the last two years so this is kind of part and parcel of what happens when you're a good team C- teams who are not good or who are truly rebuilding kind of come after these guys who have shined in a good season, so it just kind of happens, and the Bengals got these extensions, but I don't know, man. The inactivity's bugging me.
0: Yeah, it's a buzzkill. You know why? Because I think we can see the Super Bowl window, and I know everyone – well, not everyone. Some people will tell, well, Burrow's window is his entire career. You know, he said that famously, but it's, <laughs> it's not this wide forever. It's not as grand of an opportunity as it is maybe just this year and maybe next year, depending on – how those future cap hits look, we'll, we'll find out eventually. But we, what we, I think, we wanted to see was them say, "Screw the future years, let's go try and do something. Let's go get whoever. Let's go get a tier one guy or a couple tier two guys." Yeah. And there's still a few left, and maybe they could do it because now the if the market's been a few days, maybe they get those guys at a value, and and they still jump in there. Uh, I still don't expect that. I don't want to you know give too much hope there. I think the Bengals are going to do what they do. The, the the free agent guys we love right now, only a couple were taken or signed in the first day or the first few hours or where they gave big money to DJ reader. You know, uh, it, a lot of these guys, the Owusies, the Vaughn bells that were sad about losing. Vaughn bells a week into the free agency. And I don't want to defend them because I wanted them to go for it and just really put a stamp on it and make us feel great about everything. Instead business as usual for the Bengals. This is how they operate. So we shouldn't be, you know, too upset. We can get our hopes up, but still at the same time understand they're still here. It's not like they're asleep at the wheel. I see some comments of people like, "Well, they got to wake up. They got to do something." I'm sure they put offers out to a bunch of guys. It's just less and less longevity and less guaranteed money. Yeah. Will you take less to come to Cincinnati? Will you take less to stay in Cincinnati on an extension? Even like AJ Green got less than Julio. Gino Atkins got less than Fletcher Cox and those guys at the time. You're gonna have to. That's how they operate, and they've gotten close to winning it. It just sucks that they don't see the opportunity to say, hey, let's bash this door down and screw future years. And I know some people don't even agree with that 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 approach, right? Like, let's try and keep it – let's keep the, the cap even throughout the next four or so years rather than ride a wave and then have to dump a bunch of guys. What the Rams did, yeah. Yeah, because the bill comes due eventually. I get it. But man, I just want one. I just want one championship. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Just just, just a quick update: we got another running back off the board. Miles Sanders is going to guess who? The Carolina Panthers.
0: They're making no way. Yeah. Oh my god. Listen, when you got that number one pick, you can attract some free agents. I guess the Bengals did.
2: Bengals did, but I want to. I want to present a a hypothetical to you, Joe, because I saw this tweet a couple weeks ago, and it was a joke tweet, but it was like, "What if NFL fans weren't privy." to any off-season knowledge of their favorite team. So, like, say the Bengals, they, they lose the AFC Championship game, and then we're not allowed to know anything until kickoff of Week 1. And then we have to figure out, like, who's on the roster at that point. I think if Bengals fans were forced to do that, and they saw who was on the roster and who was starting for them, it would not be as much of a freakout. And right. I feel like that's all, it all comes down to timing of how these things happen. You have Travion Williams re-signing. You have um, you know, Michael, Michael, Thomas, Thomas. Michael Thomas re-signing. You have J- Jermaine Pratt extension. Fine, that, that's good. But you have all these things that you would like to be on the back burner after some of the more important things, while the important things haven't happened yet. It, it, that, to me, it just seems like the timing of everything happening and not happening is what's basically garnering the, this frustration right now.
0: And you know what stinks about it is the last few years, it seems like they've been aware of the outside of their bubble, right? Remember that before that, it was like they're in their bubble. They don't care what you say or what you're doing outside of there. It's probably still true, but it felt like they were at least aware of us, uh, you know, and, and fan base and everyone that's commenting on the outside. And they were a little more aggressive. They signed a guy at 1201 last year. Yeah, it was a third, tier three mm-hmm. free agent, but they went and got him. They identified him and they got him on a good deal. So, like, I. Even if you do that, that's more exciting and fun. Uh, but you're right. if Because here, here's the thing. I still think they're going to sign a starting safety. I still think they're going to sign a starting tight end. They may, If something happens with Mixon, they may sign a starting running back and draft one as well, but draft a tight end as well, uh, to go with whoever they sign. I think they'll still get a depth guy on the O-line. I think they'll still get a depth guy on the defensive line. All of that's probably going to come in the next seven days or so. And it just stinks now that maybe the next re-signing is is Eli Apple. Then people are going to light the torches and grab the pitchforks. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. There's some there's some uh, smoke with that one. Yeah, I, I'm seeing some stuff today about that. So, but there's no official announcement, at least that I've seen, on that one. Talking with Joe Goodberry, obviously draft guru, Bengals aficionado, and one of the one of the best dang guys out there. Not only for football coverage, but a a quality dude, and we appreciate the time, man. Anytime you got a scoot, by the way, you let it, you 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 give the word. Um, I know you're a busy guy, but we appreciate the time, my man. Um, let's let's talk about right tackle and maybe even cornerback, I guess, because they're dealing with some pretty significant injuries. Two, both of those positions starters, I think, less of a question mark. Um, for a couple of reasons at corner with Cheeto, because it happened earlier in the year. He was playing high quality ball going, you know, before that unfortunate injury. Uh, Collins, obviously more question marks because of the up and down play, the, the bigger frame, bigger guy, and then the multitude of injuries he all, he's had. I don't know, man, Uh, right, right tackle corner. I mean, is is this something that's going to be addressed here in free agency? Might they make some sort of big splash move here or is it, uh, it, do you think it's going to be draft and kind of maybe even stop gap guy as Collins is on the pup list?
0: Yeah, I don't think I expect any big splashes at either of those positions. Those are some of the most expensive positions uh, traditionally around the league. So if they were to go sign a starting right tackle, we saw, average guys, Mike McGlinchey, get way more than the Bengals would ever even consider giving to a free agent. So that market's cooled now and you can go get a depth guy for $4 million a year or whatever in in that range. Cam Fleming, maybe he gets up to $6 million a year. Uh, I think that's where they'll play because again, I think if you're going to draft or if you want a good is what I want to say. If you want a good offensive lineman, you're going to have to draft one because the Bengals aren't going to go pay for one. Uh, The value is in Picking one in the first couple of rounds, especially at tackle, uh, you can find guards later, but they seem pretty well in on the interior right now. So I th- still think offensive tackle is high on their list, especially with Jonah Williams in the last year of his deal as well. So offensive tackle is high on their list in terms of, of draft prospects and and when that's going to come off the board. As for corner, and you're right, they, that injury was earlier. He's younger. He hasn't had the injuries. Shadobia Wouzier, that is. But it's a more athletic position. It's a more reactionary position. You kind of need your athleticism to be at 100%. We see, we've seen guys, especially at corner, take a year and a half sometimes before they're fully back, which stinks for him because it's the last year of his deal. Uh, he probably wants to be as back as possible because it's his last chance to get a decent deal and, and last time to get paid. I think like the Patrick Peterson thing that never felt like they would spend five to eight million dollars a year on anyone. Even Darius Slay getting cut, people were like, "How about Darius Slay? Who do you want to bench if Uzier is healthy? Do you want to bench Cam Taylor Britt already?" You know, so I just don't see them going and spending for a starter. It's going to have to be a Eli Apple or guys like that. That there's no market out there. Maybe you give them two and a half. Maybe give them three point five million dollars a year on a one year deal, just in case. And he understands it's the fourth. You're the fourth corner. If one of these guys gets hurt, you play, just like the last two years. He ended up starting all year, basically. Uh, so if woozy is not ready, you play. But I do think they'll draft a corner as well at some point. And that could be even later or less of a priority than offensive tackle, although their history says if they're going to draft a corner, it's probably in the first two it's rounds early. as well. Yeah,
2: and yeah, I think that's, that, that is a legitimate area of concern because sometimes they have pigeonholed themselves into taking a certain position when they, they probably shouldn't. And I feel like, I and mean, we don't, we don't have to get too far into the draft here, but it seems like the the tackles that are worth that twenty eighth spot probably aren't going to be there. There's probably going to be a run on those guys like Darnell Wright and, and Anton Harris. I know there's been mocks that have both those guys available, but if they come out of this free agency class without like an aluminiure, which that's very much up in the air at this point. Th- that is a that is a legitimate conversation. Like, are they going to force themselves into drafting one pretty early? Because like they they should if there's one that's worth that pick. But we just don't know if that's going to be the case right now.
0: Yeah, that that's right. Um, I, I that's that. Those are the drafts that stick out in my mind as the bad drafts. The ones where they said a whole round ahead. That well, we need we want to get a big power back to pair with with Geno Atkins, and then they draft Jeremy Hill, and then we need to get another defensive end in case Michael Johnson leaves or or Carlos Dunlap leaves, and they go take Will Clark, and then we need to get a starting center, so they trade up and get Russell Bodine, right? So like, you can't do that. You got to let the, the the draft and the board fall to you. But I do they think they place an emphasis on. W- and they're, they understand that where you have to take starting tackles and corners is in the first two rounds. So if they fill all of their other needs, which is why I think they still will in free agency, if you go get a tight end and a safety and a running back and yada, yada, you could go tackle, corner, or if there's no tackles there, you pivot and go corner and then tackle. Uh, or just maybe there's no tackles there and you, and you keep moving. I don't want them to force that I'm with you. I think the draft does favor them in terms of where their strengths in the draft are and where the Bengals' holes are. I do yeah. think there's, there'll be quality tackles in the round two. I think there'll be quality corners into round three, which is normally not what happens. Uh, and then I think there's tight ends and I think there's running backs. So if those are where your need positions are, if those are the top four, maybe you add D-tackle, D-end because you've got to get one of these guys eventually in there because that, that whole group is aging and, and getting to the end of their contracts and Trey Hendrickson and reader. So maybe that's the one that flips the whole table because they never go straight need for need normally. Uh so I could see that being a surprise pick maybe to some people if they take a D end or a D tackle in the first two rounds. But yeah, I think the the draft because the D N class is good too. Uh, I think the draft does set up for where they need the players.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, first first three picks could be, you know, either offensive or defensive lineman, cornerback and tight end in some order there. And, you know, you've got pretty, pretty quality, you know, some quality guys. There's some quality guys left on the free agent market at the tight end spot. You know, some guys that have been kind of a uh, little bit up there in age talking about Schultz and Gusecki a little bit. But uh, we'll see what the Bengals end up doing What What's your take on the running back situation, man? I mean, is is a lot of talk about mixing? Obviously, P Ryan gone now. Before we brought you on, we were talking about the enigma that is, you know, Chris Evans and what the Bengals are are doing or not doing with him. Um, is this is this a draft where we say, in your estimation, that that golden second round that they always seem to use on running backs is? Are we looking at a new starting running back at some point this year, or is this gonna let's try and kind of Maybe get an ancillary guy to Joe Mixon, despite all the stuff going on there, um, you know, speed, bring in maybe a little extra sizzle speed, that sort of thing. Or is it overhaul time?
0: I think they're open to both ideas. I, I, I would assume they've already approached Mixon with like, hey, just a warning. We want to redo your deal some way if we can't come to an agreement. On reducing your salary, we could move on and find a guy to replace them. Now we know the Bengals would typically put out feelers or try and sign a guy or draft a guy first before even making a move with Mixon. If people are wondering why Mixon isn't cut yet, doesn't mean he's going to be he's going to stay. No, it doesn't mean that. If they would have gotten this Jamal Williams deal, let's say that they're rumored to uh, have some interest in, I would bet Mixon be cut right after. But he only mm. got that's the thing too. Like Jamal Williams only got four million dollars. I now look at this running back market, and we got to see what Miles Sanders got. I don't know if that was reported. I heard you guys say it before you brought me on, but uh, if that's like the Devin Devin Singletary market, four million dollars a year, I would be all in on that, and then draft a guy. You save money overall at running back then at that point, and maybe you could spend a little bit more on a Mike Geseki or a Foster Moreau, and maybe even Dalton Schultz. I don't think they'll get into the Schultz range, but you could if you're saving money at, at running back. Right. So I th- do think there is a scenario where it's a clean sweep at tight end and running back and they get guys that fit this offense more, or maybe not just fit their offense, enhance the offense, take it to an, another level, and which is something I think they struggled with, with Mixon and P Ryan and with the tight end group last year. So uh, I do think that we could see a complete overhaul, but I could see a scenario where Mixon comes back and says, listen, I'm not going to get more than six and a half million dollars out there. Jamal Williams just got four. Uh, I, I will take, the pay cut, maybe we can convert it into incentives. If I get 12 touchdowns or 1200 yards or make a pro bowl, I can earn all that 12 million back, but it doesn't count against the cap. If you can do that. uh, And I think that would be in Mixon's best interest. I I think then they are in the scenario where they've done this before, where they draft the guy one year before he has to take on the lead role. And then maybe they put it on the back burner where it's not second round. They could, but maybe it's second, third, fourth round type range.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think the thing that's kind of bothered me always about Mixon is that he's making so much money, but you're still basically splitting up the roles of the entire running back group and and giving Samadji Piran equally as important, if not more important roles within the offense compared to Mixon. And if you give Mixon a pay cut, that, that would still obviously be the case. There are They've set themselves up at this point where they're not going to have a running back that just does it all. They're going to have to split up some of these responsibilities and roles and whatnot, and that could come with a draft pick. But for a guy like Devin Singletary, because you mentioned him earlier, describe what he would bring to an offense as a better fit compared to mixing their peering
0: Well, being in the Bills offense, it's very spread style and shotgun heavy. He has a lot of experience there. He has been their third down back is how he started. They kept trying to bring bigger backs because he's the 5'9", 205, Giovanni Bernard type without long speed. So he's got everything without, but the long speed, he's very elusive. Almost the first guy almost never tackles him or gets him down. Uh, He can catch, he can block. Josh Allen says he's the smartest, most aware teammate he's ever had. I mean, so I think that's a bonus and, and something that could help Joe Burrow out a lot. So you get a guy that would fit the offense. You wouldn't have to take him out in every situation. He has run under center too, gap and zone more gap last year. I think it was like 95 gap runs to like 70 zone runs. So it would fit. Fit the Bengals mix of doing everything and be having a guy that's comfortable doing everything, uh, and that's why I think he could be like the RB one type. And then you go into the draft and you get a guy that's maybe a little bit bigger with some speed, like an Israel Abanikanda from Pitt, who's two fifteen, but's going to run a four four and have uh, that long speed that Devin Singletary doesn't have, and you find a way to mix those two in together. Joe, we've
1: you know, lots been made this off season about the pass rush interior, you know, another interior defensive lineman. I know we've talked about on this show, the Larry Joby effect with, that he had in 21 um, and just the nice mix they had between he and BJ Hill. They missed a little bit of that last year, but kind of put things together. Osai came on late. I, I know what happened at the end of the year, but I mean, he came on late and was playing uh, pretty decent. They got some decent flashes from Zachary Carter. I mean, they didn't go, you know Fletcher Cox just signed, also right before I think he resigned with the Eagles right before we took the air here. So uh, Javon Hargrave was a guy that a lot of people were talking about. He signed for big money. So I mean, right now, if uh, are the Bengals seemingly content, and are you content by with you know the development of, of Carter bringing in Osai in his third year and kind of getting some of this pass rush from those ancillary guys behind the starters, or is it just not going to be enough the way it's comprised?
0: Yeah, a lot of these guys are taking like one-year, ten million-dollar deals in free agency, which <laughs> that just Bengals like. I just don't believe they would even get into that at most because they have an expensive veteran defensive line already. Uh, really, the only two young, cheap guys—I I guess three—Cam uh, Sample is one I was forgetting. He can play and help out, uh, but Joseph I and Zach Carter. Everyone else's veteran salary is making a decent cap it at least. Uh, so I, I think if they're going to add talent to the defensive line, it's going to be through the draft. I do think they'll probably add somebody that's looking for one last ride or run a Justin Houston, one year, $4 million deal. If they can be the one to attract them, you know, there's been a lot of these guys every single year and they never seem to be the one to land them, uh, you know, the ball from a few years ago, trying to acquire Dwight Freeney on a one year deal just to, to finish it off and work with, uh, Carl Lawson at that side. But, the thing with Zach Carter because they really needed an, another defensive tackle. The Bengals play a lot of five man fronts, and that means you're going to have Zach Carter, BJ Hill, and DJ Reader on the inside. So Carter played a lot, and he showed nothing as a pass rusher, which is I think the greatest yeah. concern because you drafted him as a D end convert to go to D tackle. So maybe putting on all that weight because he looked he actually looked like he had no problem putting that weight on, and uh, and maybe it takes him a year. I always said it took defensive tackles a year anyways to catch up to the speed and start developing the moves inside. And when you're making that move inside from college, it takes even longer. So maybe we'll see more out of him. Maybe they're excited about his future. Uh, At this point, I think defensive tackle is a sneaky pick. I just don't know if the class lines up with it being a strength. So it may just be Zach Carter. It may be a DN that you can kick inside that I looked at a few of these free agents. I thought a guy like Arden Key would be a great fit. But, again, he's making too much money. Yeah. I think he got $7 million a year because he kicked inside. He could play left and right and inside, and that would have been perfect for what the Bengals do, mixing it up. Because I think that's one of their issues on the D-line as well. Trey Hendrickson plays one side. Sam Hubbard plays the other side. They don't move him. So and then then, you're kicking Joseph Osai inside at defensive tackle. He, that's not where he wins. Like every time we saw him win almost, it was at DM taking mm-hmm. reps from Trey Hendrickson, it's hard to find that balance and get the, get those guys, you know, to, to, to substitute and get out of there. It doesn't look like Sam Hubbard ever wants to come off the field and let Osai or Cam Sample on the field. Uh, so I think it has to come through the draft because that's cheap labor and that's how you upgrade the talent without spending too much.
2: Yeah, selfish Sam Hubbard. Never considerate of his teammates, you know. He's just dying for (laughs) oxygen, running back fumbles for 100 yards. But you talked about not a strength of the class would be D tackle I think we can all agree that maybe the strength of the class is tight end. Is tight end, if they were to draft a rookie within the first few rounds, a rookie that you are comfortable with, and they don't do much in free agency in terms of signing a veteran, are you comfortable with a rookie from this draft class taking 60, 70 targets and playing, you know, 800 snaps immediately as a rookie.
0: The only guy would be Michael Mayer from Notre Dame to do that to be, cause he can block a little bit. He runs advanced routes. He played in an offense that would remind you of an NFL offense, not that. I mean, it's kind of all getting blurred now. Anyways, it's not like they're running complete shotgun, triple option, spread stuff at Utah for Dalton Kincaid, but Kincaid couldn't block in line. He really couldn't handle bigger competition. I don't think he's ready to be that guy He's more of a slot. Travis Kelsey type, which is, you want that, but after you sign Foster Moreau for a three-year, $18 million deal, then you can get a Dalton Kincaid. Now you got a great tight end room. So I do think they're still going to get one in free agency because even if you take Mayer, there's no one behind you on the depth chart. You're going to have to bring somebody in that can do something uh, and help this team that's NFL quality. They, I mean, I, Hayden Hurst did his thing last year and, and had one of his better career years, but Mitch Wilcox, Devin Asiasi, those guys are barely making rosters around the league. And you just can't have that if you want to be more dynamic and be more multiple on, 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 offense. And I think they do want to eventually get to a more heavier personnel to get the attention off of Jason Higgins and get one of these safeties off of them and leave one of them one-on-one. And the way to do that is to have a tight end that can actually uh, block, but also exploit and run routes. And I think that's mayor, but I, I do in rounds two and three think there's going to be a lot of good tight ends. So if you go and get a Mike Geseki on a one year deal, you can still draft a tight end because he would replace. I think even if you go up to Foster Moreau, and why I said that is because you can draft a tight end at 28 even if it was Dalton Kincaid at 28 with Foster Moreau. Moreau, if it was a six million dollar cap hit per year. The 28th pick is going to make like $2.4 million a year. So you're only spending $9 million at tight end. If you wipe the slate clean at running back, now you can do that. Your tight end unit's better. And then after three years when moreau has gone, Dalton Kincaid's now your number one guy. You're extending him. And, you know, you can find a way to mix those two. So I, I think they have a lot of options. I think they could turn a weakness of their roster last year at tight end and turn it into a strength because of the draft class.
1: Talking with Joe Goodberry, Bengals aficionado draft aficionado and uh good good buddy of ours and we appreciate his time Joe I guess is that kind of one of the lessons learned by the Bengals early last year in that they were just not able to push the ball downfield they were not able to get the ball regularly to Chase and Higgins and because of and I you know I liked what I saw late in the year from Wilcox um, you know just you saw some growth but uh, still, I mean, you're talking the names you mentioned. They're not moving the needle, and even Hurst, who I did like in a number of different respects, uh, didn't you know get a high high volume in terms of tight end production. Zach Taylor came from a, uh, you know, the Ram system where they didn't really totally prioritize tight ends. That was kind of uh, even though they drafted one in the second round as first class. That was kind of the similar thing in the early years here, and now we're talking about them flirting with a lot of tight ends at the combine deep class potentially looking at free agency is this now a lesson you think that they've learned from early last year in that we need that that bigger weapon that mismatch even though we've got these great weapons on the outside
0: remember his first draft they drafted drew sample in round two so maybe they thought then like we like tight ends we want tight ends we just don't know what they look like right we don't know what the right (laughs) what the right guy looks like and or maybe because their system right is even in the rams When it was even under center zone play action for the Rams, you know, it it evolved to being adopting more shotgun spread stuff. But they were two guys going deep, two check down guys in the Yep. Yep. And so that would be the tight end here, Hayden Hurst. You got one of the lowest average depth of targets in the league, but rumble and run a guy over. We don't care. So is that all they want out of that position? And same with, like, Samadji Pirine. So you've got Pirine and Hayden Hurst running to the flats while your two studs are getting doubled down the field as Tyler Boyd gets injured in that game, right? They're going to let – they'll go ahead and throw 10 balls to Pirine and Hayden Hurst. Nobody cares. No one cares if he's going to run one guy over and then fall for three yards afterwards. Like, defenses give you that all day long. So maybe the Bengals are now saying – you're right. Maybe they're saying, we need someone a little more dynamic than that. We need – if they're going to double our studs on the outside – one of these guys running back or tight end needs to be able to yeah. win one-on-one on one and shake a guy and make a miss. And there's a few guys available that can do that, and it it could take your offense to another level. So if you want to create explosive plays again, there's a couple ways to do it. One, make them respect that tight end and that running back in the flats so that they actually even give a shit, right? Excuse me. Uh, or <laughs> <you're good. laughs> create explosive plays In the middle of the field, through running the ball or stretching the seam or getting the the tight end down the middle of the field to exploit the cover two. So you need a tight end that can actually get down there. Hayden Nurse has never been a downfield threat in his life. So he he fit the the flats, right? But he wasn't a guy that they are going to push down the field more than a couple times a game. So if you get the tight end that can do that, that's going to bust the cover twos. But also if you can create explosive plays in the running game is how you get the safety out of there. Look at the Bills' playoff game. The Bengals are going for six, seven, eight yards a pop. Watch the film. The Bills did not care. They stayed in their cover, too, and said, yeah, you, you can run. You can run six yards every single play, and every two plays you're getting a first down. You're still going to have to go ten plays plus to, to score on us, and the, eventually there will be a holding, or eventually someone will make a mistake, or eventually you'll miss on third down, or, or you'll give up a sack, which none of those things happen. The Bengals played pretty cleanly. but. Yeah. I get the logic, like make them go 12 plays. And with this offensive line or, or, you know, someone's going to make a mistake and we'll get the ball and make it punt or make you kick a long field goal. They'll give up six yards every time. So you need a guy that's going to get the six and then make a safety miss and rip one for 35. And the defensive coordinator is going to go, okay, we can't do that anymore. We got to bring, let someone, we got to bring someone down into the box and stop them from getting to the second level to the third levels to our safeties and making someone miss. It's one of the things P Ryan and Mixon, Low elusive ratings. If you look at that stuff, that's how often do they make a guy miss per touch? Mm-hmm. You need to find someone who's elusive and that has the speed to burn and make them pay for it. Because then if they do, that's how you get them out of the cover two shell.
2: That was a very long and, albeit intelligent, way of explaining that, like usual. The NFL is just catching up to what the Chiefs are doing. That's just what the Chiefs are now. The Chiefs have take the Chiefs have ran into defenses that have tried to play cover two against their vertical options. And then, hey, here's Sky Moore. Here's Isaiah Pacheco. Here's yes. Justin Watson. Mm-hmm. All in the flats, just making plays. Them- and that's that's how partly how they beat the Bengals in the Championship. I do want to give another update. Uh, the Panthers have gone too far now because they signed Deshaun Wa- Deshaun Williams, a oh. Bengals legend.
1: Oh man. Wow. <laughs> that is a blast from the past. Oh man. The Carolina Bengals. My goodness. They are just loading. Up was now. he
0: from Clemson?
1: He was. Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Thank you for that wonderful update there. Uh Joe, I guess that kind of brings, brings, uh, you know, I don't know how you're doing on time. We're probably just going to keep you around for a couple more minutes if you're good with that. Uh, yeah. I just I feel like and this is I don't know if this is really a a question, uh, so to speak, it's more of, I guess, a comment and just get your thoughts on it. I just kind of feel like with what we've seen from some of those guys, they kind of let go um, and how they drafted last year in in terms of the athletic profiles of some of the guys, fast, agile, all of that.
0: Yeah, I
1: just I feel like it's youth and speed that they are trying to bring in. You just mentioned the dynamic stuff with with running back and tight end. I just feel like even though we're not really liking what we're seeing in terms of the departures of fan favorites and guys who have been productive, have been good free agent acquisitions for this team. I, this is just my personal opinion whether we like it or not they're, they're willing to let some of those guys go and sacrifice that for youth and speed potentially. And also get affordability to be able to afford the contracts to burrow Higgins Chase as
0: well. Yeah, I didn't mean to talk so badly about uh, Smaj Piran and, and Hayden Hurst in the flats. There, not being anyone being scared. You know, you're
1: not, you're not wrong though. You're not right. wrong
0: though. But think about that. I, I wasn't trying to make a point there. Of like, I, I forgot they signed somewhere else for a second there when I was describing that that Chiefs game and, and previous games that the Bengals are looking at this. Like, yeah, why would we pay those guys when they were a detriment or pay them more? Right. Pay them true. More. Exactly. And and give them longevity because that's the other part. Guaranteed money, more money on the cap and length. Something that I think scares them up for anyone on, on a third contract, uh, or in that late 20s stage. And that's thing with Von Bell as well. Let's be honest about Von Bell. There was times where Von Bell and Kim Taylor Britt were on the same side and like a cover two, and the offenses on the opposing side were like, that's where we're going. We're gonna try yep. and attack them. And we like Von Bell. He made a lot of great plays. He's he was a fantastic player. We will always remember Von Bell fondly, but he wasn't the most athletic dude. He wasn't the best in coverage. He was didn't have the best ball skills. I think he had zero interceptions leaving the Saints coming to Cincinnati. I remember you know thinking like, man, this guy does not get his hands on the ball at all. He ended up doing it a few times here. But point is, uh, you can find an athletic speed coverage upgrade at safety in a league that's spreading you out and making your guys cover. Like, what's wrong with that? If they can land one, if they can land one, and I actually went back and watched Tyson Anderson in preseason and thought, "Whew, he might be what they're looking for," but I still hope they're they're looking for a, a veteran just in case. Right?
2: Yeah, and to just kind of wrap this all up, man. Like, obviously, we appreciate your time. I, I feel like we, when we imagine you having having you on, we would have probably seen maybe one or two guys, but that's just not. It's not been the case, and we're just in this weird limbo state right now where things are starting to happen, but they haven't happened with them yet, but we kind of mm. foresee it being on the horizon, and we're just at a weird point where it's like, yeah, we kind of feel like what they're playing is, but we just haven't quite seen it yet, so we're at a weird we're a weird impasse, I think with cross sections of the fan base is kind of all reacting to the same thing right
0: now. I think we could see a run because tight end's starting to move, safety's starting to move, so I think we could start to see they're probably like Hoyer maybe it would have been the top guy to get the start run going to get the run started at safety maybe Dalton Schultz needs to sign before we can really see what happens at tight end Uh, but it does feel like in the next 24 hours or so I would bet because now I I'm looking at our spreadsheet and I posted it before I came out with you guys there's only nine players left that we have tiered at above a tier three so that's a couple tier one guys and a a bunch of uh, tier two guys that's in the Bengals wheelhouse. This is their time now for these tier three players. And they're starting to get picked off. We are in wave three of free agency already tonight in the next, by the time you wake up and a few guys have signed, I assume we're fully in the wave three and it sucks to say and be accepting of it, but that's where the Bengals start doing their business.
1: Well, Joe, we, we appreciate the time before we uh, let you plug um, some of your, some of your stuff you got going, which is all, Fantastic content, of course, as as expected. Uh, You've set such a high bar, not only for yourself but for all of us, man. It just (laughs) we we can't even we can't even come close to that bar, my friend. We just well, it's been fifteen
0: years, Anthony. We've been at this, so
1: I know, I know. We've come a long way from talking on the phone and recording episodes. That's that's (laughs) That's i'm sure. Um, so just quickly, maybe a couple of guys, not necessarily first round. Um, since we didn't do a ton of draft talk, maybe a couple of guys that you're like, hey. You know, maybe night two, um, maybe even day three, just a couple of guys where you're like, hey, I kind of like these uh, these two, three guys maybe for the Bengals based on need, based on athletic profiles, fit, all that kind of good stuff.
0: Yeah, I'll go in in kind of an order here. If you can get Sam Laporta in round two, uh, the tight end out of Iowa, I think he's the best tight end after the catch. I think uh, his athletic profile, his production profile, which a lot of good tight ends have come out of Iowa, he clears yep. them all. He's living like the 97th percentile for production. Uh, and they're often sucked, and their quarterback sucked. Like, <laughs> for him to do this, it's kind of uh, it's amazing. And there's a lot of plays where you're like, yeah, Joe Burrow's going to make that guy look real good. Uh, you see the flashes where he can win one-on-one on the outside, isolated uh, in on third downs, and he does his thing. Uh, he's risen up boards from, from perspective, uh, you know, the outside perspective, and I think securely in round two now. And then go to third round, and I think you can find a host of running backs, whether that's Devin A. Chain from – a uh, and or uh, Israel Banacanda I've talked about earlier. He might even be fourth round. Uh, I think you can find speed with a little bit of size in a Banacanda. You might get smaller with A-chain. Uh, do you want to go with a guy who, again, had a terrible offense around him, but in the few days he did get to have big days like a Tank Bigsby out of Auburn? I mean, I think everything around him was, was just as bad as Sam LaPorta. They were on the all-everyone-sucks team. Uh, but that's <laughs> like – the only thing that reminds me of is Marvin Jones. If you remember – I oh. love Marvin Jones, and Cal was terrible. Like it was him and Keenan Allen, and that was it. <laughs> and the, I'm like, how can you not throw to these guys? Like Marvin Jones is laying out for balls that should be ten yard comebacks, and it's like this guy's good. Like, yeah. <laughs> he goes in the fifth round, uh, so maybe it hurts these guys a little bit. Maybe it hurts the evaluation, and those guys go a little bit later. But then, let's like, say defensive tackle. I said it's a bad class. Say you get to like the fifth round range, and I like Jalen Redmond out of Oklahoma. He had to play in a three-man front in a conference that doesn't seem like anything resembles NFL defenses. But when he does get his chance to shine and, and go out one-on-one against a guy in a pass 1st situation, he looked athletic. He looked strong. He's got more than enough moves. Uh, I think he could be – he's a little bit older, uh, took that COVID year. But I think he could be a day-three gem.
2: I just think awesome. it's the funniest thing how, like every single year when you dive into college prospects, you you exclaim things that people who follow college football already know very extensively. <laughs> so you're just you're just getting to Iowa. you're just watching Iowa for the first time. man, this team is just Terrible. When everyone's known that, that Iowa had like a high school offense
0: for the last four months, so I'm watching Dalton Kincaid at Utah in order, right? That's in the my first guy, game, by the way. The first game's Florida, and I'm like, oh my god, what are people talking about? Like they're they're getting <laughs> destroyed. And then the next two games, they suck. They're terrible. And I'm, I'm like, I assume everyone at Utah got fired, is what I tweeted out. And they're like, no, they won the conference. They came that. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to keep going then. I went all the way to the USC game where I'm like, oh, man, don't Kate's killing these guys. And he looks better yeah. blocking. i like, I don't know what happened. They they figured it out, though.
1: He absolutely shredded USC, absolutely shredded him. Um, yeah. And that was kind of, I mean, I knew about him from before. But that this year, I was just like, man, this guy just, catches everything good fun player I know he's got some limitations but fun player there Joe you are the man uh I do definitely want to share some of this stuff I already shared this the subscribe will share it one more time here obviously you are doing videos on Cincinnati Bengals talk uh James Rapine doing a lot of good stuff uh obviously tons and tons of Bengals coverage there your video breakdowns of the Bengals system draft prospects all kinds of stuff second to none my friend um so that is one and I will put that of course I'm sure everybody who watches our channel is already subscribed there. We are subscribed, so that'll be that'll be there for you. But tell us what you're doing on the video side there.
0: Yeah, and shout out to our producer and long time, Cincy Jungle uh, Andrew. You know, yeah, I was I was also uh, Nick Suberling does a lot of my editing. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's my guy. You know, we we yeah. we all migrated a little bit to new places, but still good good dude. So yeah, every Tuesday Bengals on the brain. I will pick a few topics or whatever uh, you know, is going on with the Bengals, and we'll either watch film, go over some data, go over situational stuff, talk through it, and uh, hopefully have some nice eye candy for, for people to watch where we go over the film. And then, of course, on Twitter, I have was able to start – I feel even bad saying it – but I was able to start charging people to subscribe to ex- some exclusive content. And it, it was a almost two-year process of getting approved from Twitter – And what it does is if you pay, if you're willing to do it, it's not for everyone. I understand that I've given away free content for a long time. It's hard to switch after that. But now that people subscribe, I can do more and spend more time and try and make higher quality stuff and tackle some projects that I never was approved to do or had the funding or uh, enough time to do. And I think we're getting close to getting to that point where I can do all of these things.
1: Well, it's awesome stuff. I'm I'm going to be doing that as well. We put the links in our live chat here. Robert saying, where do we send our mock drafts for debate yeah. and conversation? I think that's where... Right to Joe.
0: You, you right to uh, Joe, not to not us. us. You got to subscribe though, right?
1: I mean, that's, yes. that's kind of the deal.
0: Well, I did say that. I did a mock draft Monday last week. I said, if you're a subscriber, I'll give you a grade. And then like 80 people subscribed. And I'm like, you really want a mock draft grade that <laughs> bad? All right. guess that's what I'm doing on Monday.
1: Well, that's because you're the man. Uh, appreciate the time, man. Sorry if we took too much of it, but we love talking with you. We love having you on. We love all your stuff. Uh, are you going to games this this year coming up? You plan on going to some?
0: Yeah, I think there's another Bills game, so I'll make sure I, I attend that, uh, get the family out for that. But, yeah, I, I plan on it. Let's see the schedule, see what the prime time. I've been to the last couple of Thursday night prime time games. Um, the, you know, I, I've, the last, so the last two years has been the Jags Thursday night game the Dolphins Thursday night game, the Raiders playoff game, the Bills Monday night game, the DeMar Hamlin game, and then the Bills playoff game. So I'm on a hot streak of Bengals uh, figuring it out, either at halftime or looking good from out of the gate. Yeah. And so let's keep it rolling.
1: Well, hey, I appreciate it, man. Let's link up and, and try and uh, get to games together. We haven't done that yet, but let's do that. And um, again, tell tell your brother what's up. Tell Nick and, and James, all the guys, what's up? And stay well,
0: man. We'll do. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, take Joe.
1: care. The man. What a dude. Love that guy. Um just I mean, probably expected to give us 15 minutes and gave us like 40, but that's cool. Uh has got, got know nothing else... going on. Oh, he's got a ton going on. He's got a ton going on. But uh yeah. Um I don't know, man. I don't I don't even know what to talk about. Now we, we kind of ran the gamut there. That was that was awesome.
2: Uh some more breaking news. Uh Kenny Gandhi uh, has dun, officially dun, been dun, cut dun. by the Giants. <laughs>
1: Galladay, Kenny G. <laughs> that was my guy. Uh, yeah, no, that was uh, that was just a disaster it, of a it, signing.
2: Is this not a perfect example, though? The Bengals. I, th- this is not like necessarily confirmed. This is all just kind of this is crafty put. This is well put together speculation. Let's say that that the Bengals had a cheap one year offer for Kenny Galladay in March of twenty twenty one. The offer is on the table. The Galladay took that offer to the Giants and said, Hey, I have interest here from this team that has a great quarterback in Joe Burrow. I would be kind of interested in, you know, playing here. And he used that as leverage and used Bengals fans as leverage for like two days to completely swindle the New York Giants into like 30 million guaranteed, 18 million per year to have, I think, as many catches as you and I. Like he just did nothing with the Giants and the Giants overpaid for a name with injury histories who was also like 27 28 years old but the Bengals stood Pat they were never really involved in the in like the whole bidding war because that just that that didn't exist the Bengals had a price they stuck by it they were never in the competition and they ended up looking great for it this is just what happens every single year and every single year fans will freak out because big names aren't being signed by the Bengals
1: well, this is, and this is the other part, too, and I don't want to be – again, I've been the guy. I have been the guy who has been freaked out by day one, day two, conclusion of day two, and the Bengals, and I would always ask, how are you better? How are you better? And there's validity in that question, right? There's validity if you're just lo- losing quality players. I go back to that. I think it was the 27th, going into 2017, when you lose Zeitler, you lose Whitworth, or, you know – you just you got fleeced and you're not replacing them, but you you were confident with what you had in-house, right? I think that was the Abwehi-Fisher debacle um, that, that they were trying to do things on the offensive line. Regardless, um, I have been that guy, so I understand the panic. I understand, man, what are they doing, especially when they've been so close to that championship. I get it. But every year we see cautionary tales too, John, to that, to the Kenny Galladay point, right? And we see, guy, oh, that guy's available? Well yeah because he signed a bloated contract a year later a year ago was decent sometimes but didn't live up to that contract and now you can get him on a more attainable deal. We're going to again, we're also going to see an influx of new new guys hitting the market. Maybe not a huge influx but an influx uh, you know around the league from guys on teams that have signed these new players or will be signing these new players. So they have to shed some of these contracts. Some of those guys will be hitting the market, new names that haven't been on there, right? You're going to see post June one, you're going to see guys still kind of start to the flurry around the draft. We've mentioned this a couple of times. That's kind of how this goes. Regardless, I do think the Bengals are going to try and fill some needs. They may not be household names. They may not be the tier one guys, but they may be guys that they feel can be good stopgap starters guys that they they could be, you know, decent starters just in general going forward and, Uh, as they develop some of these young guys that they drafted either already or will draft this year. So I I just, I know it's early, but it's not. So I understand, but I I do think moves are coming and I do think the Bengals are going to make some savvy moves coming forward, coming in the next, next couple of days.
2: We are on the precipice of the inaction turning into action. And one thing that I think a lot of people who listen to us know is that we keep it real. Like when the Bengals deserve to be criticized, we we don't we don't necessarily hold back. We tell it like it is, and it's not always well received. But yeah, you're but right. Yeah, <laughs> but it, but if if they if they don't do anything within the next week, and basically all of their likely targets are on different teams, we're gonna talk about it, and we're gonna we're gonna verify or uh, I guess val- validate a lot of people's frustrations. But that hasn't happened yet. There's still a lot of time left for these things to happen, and in all likelihood, the Bengals will sign some guys that make the team better or sustain the level of talent at certain position groups. We're at we're at the the horizon, I guess, of these things about to happen. We don't know when they're going to happen, but they will probably happen before we record next time.
1: Yeah, we'll you know I I would I would venture a guess, and you know again it may it depends on people's takes and how they feel about it. It may or may not move the needle a ton, but you know, the, quite honestly, I. I they're, those are guys that are fan favorites. I know the Bates deal uh, it hurts because he's a talented guy, still a young guy. Bell, you hate to lose. I mean, he was a team captain, so you don't like that. Uh, Hurst, you know, brought a lot of good stuff on a on a stopgap option. But these are positions. These are players who um, Bates maybe not totally withstanding, but I mean, these guys. You're, you're talking about your backup running back. You're talking about a stopgap starter at tight end. And you are talking about two starting safeties and they were quality ones. That's, that's going to hurt obviously, but you know, for the most part, the production of some of these guys can be is replaceable on some levels, but they have to be strategic in who they bring in, be it good locker room guys, all of that. But I, what Joe and I talked about just a little bit ago, just the youth and speed. I think that's the direction they're trying to trend towards while, you know, yeah, saving a little bit of money because they've got big contracts coming up that they need to extend.
2: It, it's always going to be about trying to keep the roster as fresh as possible. They, I think it's pretty clear at this point they are scarred for life of what happened with Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, and even to an extent, AJ Green. Like they were in talks of extending AJ Green when he was like 29, 30 years old, right? Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, I think Geno Atkins' deal would have expired today when he signed it in 2018, he hasn't played for the Bengals in two years. Right. And he, even the last year that he played with, he was not the same Geno Atkins. They learned that extending guys based off of past production who are in their late twenties, who are just on the, if you had to guess, if you had a gun to your head is saying this, is this guy going to ascend or descend within the life of this deal more, more times than not, it's going to be descent. And if they, if they decide that if they make that choice, if they make that observation, they're not going to budge based off of what offer or they're not, even, they're not even going to offer that guy at all. Like that's just the world that they live in. And for the most part, it works out. That's why you have a roster that's filled with cost-effective veterans who get the job done and make the team as talented as possible. And that's just how you sustain success.
1: Yep. Well, I, I think we're going to, as the weekend approaches, I don't mean mean to be, you know, you know, all sunshine and and whatever else. But, you know, I, I I do think as the weekend approaches here coming up, we're going to start to see some signings that make a lot of sense and or, you know, will ease some of the panic that I think we're seeing from the Bengals fan base. I guess that's as good of a drop of drop, mic, mic drop as, as any. Um, this has been an awesome episode. I, I love talking with Joe. I did subscribe for proof. I did subscribe. I subscribed to Joe's content. I'm not, I'm a man of my word. And uh, I, sometimes I do it longer and i'm late to it to the party on some of this stuff but i'm a man of my word at least i try to be but john thank you this was uh i, I love i love our little roundtable chats with joe he's he's awesome
2: yeah man we gotta get you in the spaces the subscriber exclusive spaces you gotta hop in every now and then well i don't think people want to hear my my dumb ass takes
1: i think people like hearing you and joe and other smarter people i just sit back and soak it in and pretend i'm smart just by hanging out in the background that that's what i do
2: that's like telling people to unsubscribe from this podcast since you talk 50% of the time. I don't, I don't know, man. I think we need to work on your sales. Don't do that. Please don't do that.
1: <laughs> speaking of subscribing, <laughs> speaking of subscribing, uh, you can, if you like the YouTube channel and the videos We're, we do, by the way, we, if you are new here, we do a lot of different stuff, not just these live shows and live broadcasts and guests and all that. So we do standalone interviews. We kind of do some little fun projects as well. So um, you can get that on our YouTube channel. That is you can click this, the show icon underneath John there in the SB nation since the jungle icon, click that, click subscribe, click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new uh, new content is available. Um, if you like the video also give us a thumbs up. That would be awesome too. And of course, if you like the audio side of things, our show, Matt Minnick's coach speak and chalk talk uh, Jason Garrison and his, his boy, Kevin are adding the show to the mix there as well. And of course, Bengal Jim, um, all available through the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones were there. So, give us a listen, give us a rating if you can. We appreciate that. And uh, once again, go give Joe a subscribe. He he kills it with content. We we just try and keep up around here and uh, with what he does. And you know, go 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 support him. He he puts a lot of work into it, obviously.
2: And again, if they don't do anything, we'll be back here to match your rage. See you then.
1: That's right. That's right. That's right. We'll see you all soon. Take care.